Do you consider yourself resilient? And what does that mean to you? In this podcast, Resilient Entrepreneurs with 241, we chat with business owners about what resilience means to them as they share their inspiring stories and life lessons. What we've learned running our own businesses, you're never alone, even when it feels like it. So tune in anytime to this podcast. We're always here for you, celebrating resilient entrepreneurs just like you. We're Lauren Vicky from 241, a marketing company for early stage business owners who want to launch, grow, and be resilient. Well, today we are so excited to welcome to the Resilient Entrepreneurs podcast, and Felicity LaRouge. She's the founder at Phenomenal People, and she's a leadership development consultant. Felicity founded the company in 2010, and she's worked with corporate clients such as British Airways, Guinness World Records, Costa Coffee, Royal Bank of Scotland, as well as startups, some small to medium enterprises, and some nonprofit organizations, such a well-rounded organization. Her work is to support these organizations in developing their leaders, their company culture, and their teams. And Felicity uses proven methodologies such as Dr. Joe Dispenza's NeuroChange Solutions. She's actually the first New Zealand consultant in that modality, having recently migrated to New Zealand from the UK herself. So can't wait to talk about that, having been through a similar migration experience myself. Um, and Felicity's also a certified heart math trainer. Also can't wait to talk about that, the science of heart power transactions. It's inspiring and fascinating. And we're also going to talk with Felicity about leadership. She shows companies how self-leadership and collaboration are so much more effective than bureaucratic models. She understands what makes teams thrive in a rapidly changing environment. Uh, very relevant for today's world. So let's get right into this conversation. Felicity, welcome. Thank you so much. It's a real privilege to be here today. Oh, the privilege is ours. So look, resilience is a word that is dominant on the homepage of your website. I couldn't miss it. So let's start with you telling us what resilience means to you and how does a person get resilience? How do we become resilient? I'm really glad you've asked this question. As you can see, it's very it's something I'm really passionate about. And I think the old definition of re resilience was bouncing back from. But the definition that HeartMath used, which they actually created with the Navy SEALs, the American Navy SEALs, is actually being prepared, being adaptable and being flexible so that when challenges come to them, they're prepared for them. They've already got what they call resilience capacity, as well as the ability to jump uh, to bounce back as well. Oh, I absolutely love that. That fits so well with what Vicky and I believe, and it's beautiful. But I have no idea what heart math is. Can you just go back and give me a little bit of what is that? Explain that to me. Yes, certainly. So it's um, a research institute. They've been doing research on the intelligence of the heart, scientific research on the intelligence of the heart for the 25 years plus. And they measure everything with ECG and heart math monitors and all the all the equipment that's names I can't bring, bring to mind. But it shows how actually powerful the physical heart is in the way we run our days. And we've been really for, for so long so dependent on the analytical mind, the cerebral way of doing business, living our lives all by thought 
which if you've ever studied anything like neurolinguistic programming and it talks or even Jungian science, you know, psychology talks about the conscious mind and the unconscious mind. And the conscious mind is around 5% of our intelligence and the unconscious mind runs the rest of the show. So many programs are designed for the intellect, analytical mind, philosophical. And you can sit there and listen to a, a concept and think, oh, yeah, that absolutely makes sense. Yeah, I'm going to do that. And then you go back into your crazy life and you just go back into the old programs because we're hardwired. After the age of 35, we're a series of programs. But we can go into the operating system and start to tweak those programs and delete some of the ones that are not serving us and update the software. And heart math shows how when we focus on our hearts, uh, we actually tune into our intuition and that can really give us some very clear direction. Now, before anyone's starting to think, oh, that's woo-woo. <laughs> yeah. They've measured it again, as I say, scientifically, wired people up and they show that the heart has a huge range of intelligence. It can, you know, we've all had those moments where we've anticipated danger or you know, and the phone's going to ring or we just get a gut feeling about a situation. And if we ignore that gut feeling, heart feeling, we afterwards are like, I knew I shouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What we've done is measured it all and put together some wonderful, wonderful programs that show you how to tap into your intuition and actually fine tune it. Because the reason why we think sometimes our, our intuition is accurate and other times it's not is we're not actually discerning what is our gut fear, intuition or uh, a, a hidden something we want that we're trying to say it's intuition so heart math helps you to not only fine-tune your intuition it helps you to get greater clarity it gets you out of the stress that the british medical association worldwide medical associations say that most people live in stress 70 percent of the time and that's kind of bandied wow. off a bit um, and so people go, oh, well, that's just normal. Actually, it's not normal. It's effects it has on your body are actually so detrimental that we need to actually wake up to that a little bit more and realise that um, how how toxic it can be for us physically and mentally and build our resilience. Now, building resilience, you asked me a little bit earlier, Laura, and I've gone off, sorry, okay. so about this subject. Building resilience is like building any muscle, building any skill. We just need to know the, the process, the formula, and apply it regularly. And the thing that trips us up is, as I say, by the age of 35, most people are a mass of unconscious patterns. Mm -hmm. And if we don't condition the new practices in, we'll very quickly go put back to the old way of behaving. Donald Hebb, who is a scientist that studied neural synaptic connections, says that synapses that fire together, wire together. So when we get new information, we think new thoughts, we create new neural pathways. And if we think about that information, we actually create greater neural networks. And then if we continue to go back, then those neural networks actually become they reach our cerebellum, which is the seat of habit and behavior. But if we don't go back to that information, then between 24 to 48 hours, those networks can prune apart and we're back to the old operating system. So.
Wow, so you just have to constantly, and I, I shouldn't say have to because it feels like I should, but I guess to to get good at this, we need to continually practice the same neural pathways, and is that how the reprogramming happens? Yeah, absolutely. And we also, is an interesting part, HeartMath talk about this, Dr. Joe talks about this, it's about setting an intention that we're going to do this, but do it with an elevated emotion. So we're doing it in a sense of excitement, enthusiasm. You know how kids learn. They're like, wow, this is amazing, isn't it? Because if it's just like, Ooh, the body is, well, the operating system of the body-mind is built for, it's an old build apart from the frontal lobes, the neocortex. It's built for survival, not for happiness. And so that means it's built for efficiency. And if we're struggling with a new program and we don't, continue and persevere it will just override it to get us back to efficiency doesn't what it doesn't care whether you're happy or not the old system it's all about survival but the neocortex the frontal lobe is the seat of our consciousness and it's where we can make considered decisions it's where we can daydream and imagine and create and think about a new a new reality we want to create for our lives and uh, yeah that's something but we we just have never been taught how to use the brain functions effectively. Wow. Wow. Okay. And I think I can relate it to entrepreneurship. Whenever you read like a book about entrepreneurs, right? Especially the big ones, the famous ones, they all have certain routines that are part of their life. And most of them contain some sort of meditation, journaling, and uncomfortable things like ice baths and the stuff that people don't want to do. And, and, but that's all the reasons why, right? It's because it's that doing the things that help to create that environment so that they can be more creative and can open up to the new. Indeed. Yes. And I, I always use actors as a model because they're always learning new scripts, creating new characters. If they want to be Oscar level actor, and they have realized the payoff to get through that discomfort is absolutely worth it to create this new character, to experience this new role. Because if you think about it, how amazing to experience so many different lifetimes as the same person, because you're jumping into that as, as an acting role. It's something that fascinates me. So they know the payoff is, is worth it. But for many of us, once we get past school and we've got to go there or college and we've got to do it because we want to get our qualifications to look credible when we go into the workplace, after that stage, we're just like, no, thank you. We don't want to uh, put ourselves through that discomfort. And we don't realise that we're training ourselves to just stay the same, whatever that is. That's oh, a fascinating that's... perspective, isn't it? Training ourselves to stay the same. It sounds pretty depressing to me right now. <laughs> but it, I think it's a subconscious thing. And unless you're actively looking at how to improve, how to build the resilience capacity, then I guess that's what happens. But that's, I, mean, I think for some people that's okay. As entrepreneurs, we're probably just not happy with that because we're always looking for the next thing, chasing the next great idea, building, 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 letting that creativity flow. And pushing out of that comfort zone. And that's something we talk about a lot is like it's easy to stay in the comfort zone. I think that's exactly what you're talking about. The brain wants us to stay in the comfort zone. This is comfortable. This is safe. This is what we know. This is predictable. We're good here. Don't rock that boat. But as entrepreneurs, 
there's this drive to push through that because we know the next greatness is on the other side. Yes, absolutely. And even when I've been talking to corporate managers in, in bigger institutions, when I was working with them in the UK, they'd say they get quite frustrated with their team. They're like, but they're not ambitious. They don't want to do that. You know, and I'd say your managers, you have aspirations to, to climb the ladder. Some people don't. So you need to meet them where they are, rather than trying to encourage them with what would stimulate you. So yeah, as you say, some people are I think everybody is inherent in us to grow, but we we get conditioned out of it. And also when, you know, it depends on your peer group, doesn't it? And I think we talked about this, Vicky, when we first spoke about being around entrepreneurs. If you're an entrepreneur, you need to be in that, around other entrepreneurs because otherwise people just don't get it and they think you're a bit mad. <laughs> it's true. It is Very so true. true, which is exactly why we created our membership, because we needed it too. Like we needed people around us who understood the journey because it's it is. Yeah. Family and friends. We've had we had this conversation on other podcasts about how hard it can be for people who love you to even yeah. understand you yes, because they're they're like, no, it's you're crazy. It's such risk. Why? Why would you take the risk when you could have a safe job with health insurance and Da, 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 da. We'd argue that that's never a safe job, but you know. <laughs> yeah, you took a risk recently in moving to New Zealand. How did that transpire and what's coming yeah. from that? Well, it was absolutely the, the completely the right decision. I'm really, really happy about it. What had happened with working with some of my business leaders, there was a bit of a theme coming out that people had avoided managers uh, had avoided having difficult conversations so then they would escalate into behavioral stuff that actually needed to be addressed more seriously so i was involved in a lot of conflict resolution i was good at it because i'm i'm prepared to have those difficult conversations because i just I, it is for me long term you have to have those difficult conversations otherwise it just escalates plus i was um cabin crew for many years, long haul cabin crew. So if you're stuck in a metal tube with people, there's no one you can call. So I, I was actually, you know, quite well trained in thinking, okay, well, we need to deal with this. I have to speak to this customer and say, no, I'm sorry, sir. You can't have anything else to drink for the next couple of hours. I'll get you a nice cup of tea. And most people are like, <gasps> but you've got to, because otherwise it's a potentially dangerous situation. So I was quite good at that. Um, did lots of work in lockdown around difficult conversation challenge and and people are interested but what I recognized was people don't want to have those difficult conversations until their backs against the wall most of the time I'd got involved I retrained in in mediation as well to add that to my skill set because I wanted to do a better job and actually found it really quite draining because I'm quite an empathetic person and um when I was training for my mediation, I shadowed a couple of mediators who were solicitors, and I recognised they were so they were much more suited to it because they're very left brain analytical. They could turn off all the emotions, whereas I would be like a wreck the next day. I'd taken on everybody's emotions. I'd be exhausted. So I was reassessing my life, as I think many people did during lockdown, 
And I realized I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. Why am I, particularly when you can see, obviously when you're in the situation, it's hard to see the wood for the trees, but from an outsider, you realize these problems should never ever have escalated to the place that they did if we were just able to communicate more effectively. So I decided I didn't want to carry on doing conflict. And I also had a a thought about well, if I'm not going to do that, I'm going to pivot the business. Why didn't I pivot it in New Zealand? So <laughs> uh, the majority of my family are here and lockdown was, there were a lot of gifts in it. I've got two families and my English mum, who was 92, and thankfully uh, passed peacefully in her sleep at the beginning of lockdown. She didn't have COVID. She, as I say, 92, and that's the best way to go, isn't it? But I didn't have a bubble. And so I spent most of two years of my life in every evening on my own, which is not good for the soul. (laughs) So it was a big life change. And as I say, I'm very glad that I did it. And I'm loving some of the conversations I'm having here in New Zealand. There's a real, everyone says New Zealand's like a village and it's the right time for me to be here. I've had some great conversations with um, company that I go into shared workspace in Auckland called the Ice House, who for the last 20 years have supported startups and they have a great environment. They have great ethic. They're really about supporting leaders to be the best people that they can be. So I'm finding it great fun to be in there. And of course they've attracted some really interesting entrepreneurs so it's early days one of the things I'm learning is to be a little bit patient and to be consistent now I'm really clear about um, what I'm focusing on as you said I'm focusing because I did a lot of all the kind of the standard management leadership stuff for the Institute of Leadership and Management I've delivered for them at degree level and I've I've designed and delivered um, chartered management institute programs and loads of other kind of standard programs which are great don't get me wrong there's a place for them but again as I said at the beginning they really appeal to the intellect and we need something that actually drops in and below the radar and helps us get into the operating system and a lot of it is all about if we are better able to communicate and we're all we're more comfortable with ourselves then most people want to collaborate. They want to create something good, but it's getting past all the the filters and the conditioning to get to that place. What a fantastic world that it would be if everybody was more in their heart and more aligned to their own values and working together in collaboration. It, it sounds like a utopia. It, I feel like what you do is the Chinese medicine of uh, management and leadership. It's that thing that's been there for millennia, but it's still not quite mainstream. But people who try it swear by it and know that it really works. And obviously it works because it's been around since first people. So it's just it's an incredible science and um, a blend of bringing that to the corporate space that really I personally hope that you you can really make some huge inroads because I think the world needs this. Thank you for saying that. Yes, when I first started discussing the work, when I first started the business in 2010, and I talk about, oh, I'm helping people create heart-centered leadership in the workplace, and people are like, no, 
you can't say that word in business. You can say trust, but you can't say heart-centered. And and because I was naive and inexperienced, and because I'd come from being long-haul cabin crew to retraining, and I did my a lot of my retraining when I was still crew, and now I'm in this. I didn't start off in leadership development. Obviously, I started off in coaching, but people were like, no, no, you can't do that. We've been in business for 10 years and no. And I listened to them because I felt that they should know. And one of the questions I read when that you sent over was, what would you say to your younger self? My younger self, I would just say, trust your gut. The world needs heart-centered leaders, leaders that want their businesses to make a, a a difference in the world want their team to thrive and to develop and shine and share their unique gifts but I was very swayed by public opinion at the time now I'm in my 50s and I don't care this is what you get if you it'll resonate with some people and it won't resonate with others but they're not my customers so exactly yes that is the best part of aging I swear is that (laughs) mindset change of like this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. And it, and then I think that confidence comes through too. And then people are more likely to listen to you and trust you. And I think it's amazing because you were talking about earlier, like the mediation you figured out wasn't for you because it was so like you needed to be the analytical person, but you're not, you're the empathetic person. So now you found the thing that brings out your best self. So you're showing up as who you're supposed to be. Absolutely. And also, I'm a very practical person, because I was long haul crew for so long. You're very practical people. And if it doesn't work, we don't want to do it. And I was doing all this stuff and thinking, why is it I'd rather work with people at the beginning of the conflict? And help them change the behavior and help them to communicate more effectively and and recognize that actually, robust conversation doesn't have to be dreadful and a lot of good can come out of it rather than leaving it leaving it leaving it leaving it and all of a sudden there's a a tribunal an HR case where somebody's saying I want to take the company to tribunal because I've been mistreated and you're just like that just shouldn't have ever happened but something that I've recognized in business a lot particularly in the bigger businesses is people focus on logistics and process and strategy because sometimes it's easier than dealing with the people side of things sometimes. So if we can get comfortable with that and with the heart math tools, when you can get into your heart, you're far less reactive to the, well, he did that last time and he's really irritating. Well, and you drop into your heart, you're in the moment and it's like, okay, it doesn't matter what he did before. Let's be in this moment. Mindfulness teaches that too, doesn't it? Be in this moment and see what's really going on so that we're not just running old patterns and prejudices and defense when it may not be that situation at all. And that works on both sides, because if you go into a situation looking for a fight, you'll get one. If you go in and looking at people as though you're allies, and Dale Carnegie said that in 1928, how to make friends and influence people. If you go in looking for allies, you'll get allies because you've switched off your survival brain that's looking for danger and you're looking at opportunity and seeing the person as they are. Yeah. And what you look for is what you find, right? I think it's absolutely spot on. Wow. One thing we do like to talk about on this podcast is a what's your failure mindset? You know, mm-hmm. because we talk a lot about failure and and I believe in failing forward. So like the more failures you have, the faster you get to success, right? So failure is a good thing and it's and it's really how 
you interpret it. So what is failure to you? What is your mindset around that? Well, I don't tend to use the word failure. That's personal because I had quite low self-esteem growing up. So I was always beating myself up really, really badly. And that's one reason why I got into personal development and then business development, because I was curious about how can I make, first of all, how can I make me better? How can I make myself more acceptable? And then it was like, oh, how can I make this situation better? So I don't think of it as failure. I think of it as a learning experience. And if I've learned something from it that and I've taken the lesson, not just kept repeating it over and over and over again, then that's a development experience. And when I look back, I remember Steve Jobs in one of his speeches, he said, if you go, you join the dots backwards, you can see there's a theme that runs through. And that's absolutely my experience in cabin crew for for over a decade, people would say, well, how does that relate to you? How can you talk about being in leadership? Well, I know really great culture and I've worked with really great leaders and I've carried some really great leaders in first class. You can always tell the great leaders who treat you as though you're their equal rather than the people that are very uh, significance orientated and they treat you like you're the, the servile person that's there to kind of the waitress. And so it was a really great education from that perspective. And for me, everything I've been through in my life is, has been the threads of the tapestry and it's created who I am now. And mindset is very important because if you are curious and you look for the lesson rather than thinking, oh my goodness, that was such a disaster. And don't get me wrong, I've had situations that people would have thought were disasters. I've had been too trusting with clients who haven't paid me and then in the beginning and I've ended up having to deal with that financial difficulty because I just thought no this is a great this is a great venture and we had backers and da 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 and anyway but if you learn from it and you learn not to beat yourself up over it and think okay well let's not make that mistake again but let's move forward I think that's a, a really much healthier way of looking at it. Felicity, it sounds like you have a book in you. Oh, you already have written it. <laughs> I've written a novel. I've just started writing my current book, Leading a Legacy, which is very exciting. Also a little bit. I love that title. That's a great title. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I yeah. look forward to reading it. Thank you. Helping me get all my thoughts clear about it's really matters to me and um, it's been also good to, uh, great to have the opportunity to do a lot of research and see that there are more and more companies over the last 10 years but particularly since the pandemic that are very focused on creating a legacy that's good for their team good for their stakeholders ultimately some companies good for the planet as well so it's really great to see that that's growing yeah yeah there's so much in there. There's so much in there. I love that. Leading a legacy. It's something that I guess we can all aspire to do in our individual and business lives. Well, you know, we here on the planet and we can make a positive dent or a neutral dent or a negative dent, aren't we? And it's our choice. So I think we've got a beautiful, beautiful planet. We've not always treat not treated her very well we can do a little bit can't we so that's that's my you know writing the book it doesn't mean you're going to necessarily be the uh chenard that created patagonia three billion dollar business but you can make a difference to your team we spend this is, you know people have said why did you go into business rather than personal focus 
And I said, well, we spend so much time of our life at work. And if that's a miserable experience, it just filters out into everything, doesn't it? So that's... Absolutely. And I mean, it affects your children. It affects your relationships. It affects every part of your life if your work life is not enjoyable. And the nice thing about you working with leaders and managers is that they actually affect the lives of all the people that work underneath them. So you're not just helping one person, you're actually helping many, many people by helping that one person, talking to that one person, improving leadership. My, one of my favorite um, quotes is that people don't leave jobs, they leave managers. Yeah. And that's so true. So yeah. every company culture should focus on raising up the leadership skills of their, their managers. You yeah. know, if they have great managers with great leadership skills, they're going to have really happy employees and then happy customers. And also it's really supportive. So my, my premise with working with leaders is, you know, you get yourself right first. Old um, cabin crew. Um, <laughs> Put on the oxygen mask. mask on. <laughs> yeah, because if you're not at your best, if you've not got a decent resilience capacity, then that trickles out into the team, doesn't it? And also, it's, we know it's a big responsibility. Not only are you dealing with your challenges and things going on with you, but you've got everybody else that's looking up to you too as a leader. So you've really got to prioritise looking after yourself. It's not a luxury, it's a necessity. Ah, this is such a great conversation. I'd wanted to continue all day, but uh, I think <laughs> we uh, let's wrap it up with uh, a question for you, Felicity, about... Um, what would you consider to be the most important concept for success? Mm. I looked at that question and I'm going to be cheeky. May I give you three little answers? So the first one, if you're in business, whether you're an entrepreneur, solopreneur, small team or a bigger team, you have to be really clear about your vision, first of all, because we know the entrepreneurial journey can be very challenging. You know, it's I. I don't know if anyone's read um, Joseph Campbell, Hero of a Thousand Faces, but it is a hero's journey. If you do it right, it's a hero's journey and putting our heart and soul into it. So be really clear about what your vision is, what you want to create. And if you don't find your vision compelling enough, everybody's vision is going to be different. And it might be, I just want to earn enough money to send my kids to private school. Great, but tweak it, put a bit of emotion into that, put a bit of, and what will that do for your kids? Um, the second thing is I think we need for success now at this time in our history, we need to upgrade our success model in business. The old model has been work like dogs, burn yourself out. And if you've got something great at the end of it, yay. But, you know, <laughs> and um, I part of my research was looking at the most productive, successful um, working environments and countries and um, Sweden their premise is you work a six-hour day. And they found that if people were working, like the American standard is 44-hour week. So they were finding that, that people were only really productive for three hours of that 44 hours, uh, three hours a day. So that's 8.8 yeah. hours a day, only productive really for three. But when they were six, they were much more productive, they were much more engaged, and there was much less sickness. That's a model I think that we need to be working towards and as entrepreneurs as well. We And, and I, I'm speaking to myself here as well because it's not always easy, but it's a standard. Third thing is really look after your own resilience and make sure that you're 
on top form mentally, physically, emotionally, looking after your family. You know, most of us got into entrepreneurship because we wanted a, a better work-life balance or to have more autonomy, but we're not good, any good to anyone if we're, if we're completely burnt out. Yeah, that's fair and so true. Because when they say you leave your nine to five to work 24 seven, I mean, that's what <laughs> entrepreneurship feels like most of the time. We've all been there, but really, no. Yeah. yeah, it takes conscious effort. It takes conscious effort to put yourself first and to um, remember that you need to take care of yourself outside of your business because your business feels like your baby and you work so hard and you put so much into it. And when you're not physically maybe doing something, you're mentally thinking about it and switching off is, is really, really mm -hmm. challenging. But I love everything you've said, you know, about getting into the heart and when you are working with passion, with purpose, mm -hmm. it's feels completely different absolutely yeah. it's that beautiful flow state which we've all again everybody's had flow state but what we're want to aim for is more and more flow and less and less you know struggling to to go through the day because that's the when the irony the irony is that you know i find myself struggling to get to the flow state it's like oh i have to get the flow i have to get the flow like hang on a minute yeah. take stock what's going on here Indeed, indeed. Do you, uh, I don't know if the listeners know the Salvador Dali, the clock, the melting clock. The he painted that in 20 minutes because he was in flow. It's one of his most famous flawed works, but he painted that in 20 minutes because he was in flow. And it's not just because he's an artist, but he was really, really prolific. He created ballets, all kinds of things that when I was looking into, he was in, there was an exhibition in Auckland recently. And I love to get inspiration for success from other disciplines. And art is a really great one because, like we said, if you want to be a great artist, then you have to put the hours in, the painting, the painting, the painting. Pianist, the same. You've got to practice, practice, practice. 10,000 hours. That's yes. Amazing. Yes, indeed. And um, with the acting, rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. And so to to get really good at anything, yes, we do need to put in the hours and fine-tune and tweak but also we need to rest and recuperate and have those moments where we can just enjoy a beautiful sunset, a nice cup of coffee with a friend. And very often, in fact, I was talking to a, a young guy the other day who's my kind of ideal avatar client. And he was saying, you know, I get my best ideas when I'm not at my desk. And I thought, yes, <laughs> that's that's why Norway says a six, uh, not uh, Sweden says a six hour day. Yeah. Get away from your desk and let the magic happen. Just going for a walk, right? Can just open the mind and ideas will just flow. I I used to sometimes just always have a journal with me if I like went anywhere. But um, the funny thing is Vicky always laughs, but I get my ideas when I'm driving because I live like one end of the island and I always have to go to the other end of the island for something. And I've got like that 30, 40 minute drive and it's when I'm just in the car and it's quiet and it's just a little music slightly playing and the breeze. And I'm like, oh, that's yeah. it. That was the thing. And I have to send her a quick voice note so I don't forget it. <laughs> it gets random voice notes from me, like the middle of her night, because it's my morning and her night. <laughs> you know, and it's so funny. But yeah, it's, it's definitely not when I'm at my desk. Because when I'm at my desk, it's work. It's thinking about work and what what's the, on the to-do list that needs to get done. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. More flow. I want more flow. That's great. 
kind of work towards that. And dropping into your heart will help you do that. There's lots of really great free tools on the HeartMath Institute site. So I just recommend to your listeners to to bounce over there and, and see what they find interesting. Awesome. Do you know what the website is to for people to find it? Yes, it's www.heartmath.org. .org. Okay, great. And how do people find you, Felicity? You can find me on my website. It's um, I have got a hyphen in there, so sorry. It's phenomenal-people.com. If you jump over to LinkedIn and find me, Felicity LaRouge, then you'll have all the links over there. That'll probably be the easiest way. You have a YouTube channel? Yeah, under Phenomenal People. So, yeah, it'd be lovely to connect with people. Great. We'll be sure to include all those details in the show notes of this episode as well. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you and I really um, would love to continue these conversations. So uh, I hope our listeners have gotten as much out of it as we have and enjoyed listening to this episode and we'll reach out to you if uh, there's something that they feel that they can align with in the work that you do. That's lovely. Thank you so much, ladies. I've really enjoyed this. This is my favourite conversation in case you hadn't guessed. (laughs) I really um, feel really privileged to share it with you both today and your listeners. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure. So thanks for joining us on Resilient Entrepreneurs. We're Laura and Vicky from Two for One. We love supporting entrepreneurs, especially with mindset, marketing, and motivation, which is why we've built an incredible community of business founders who meet weekly in the Level Up League. If you'd like to know more about it, look us up at 241branding.com.